0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me on my very first podcast. Uh, My name is Jordan. Uh, I have considered doing some YouTube things, but when you are blessed with a face for radio, I guess you should pursue that. So, um, yeah, this podcast uh, is basically going to uh, be, you know, searching scripture for, like, modern-day questions um, people wondering about, what does scripture say about tithing? Um, what does scripture say about being a father? What does scripture say about marriage? Um, or even something I've struggled with is, what does scripture say about, can you lose your salvation? Um, or other people have put it, once saved, always saved. And that is actually the topic that I will be covering in this first Podcast. So stick around here, and uh, I'm going to dive right in. Uh, For many years, I've asked myself, are you really saved? You know, did you do it right? Do you need to do it again since you didn't really take it serious? Um, You know, at least growing up, um, I struggled with the thoughts that, how could God really forgive me that many times? Um, he had given up on me by now, surely, is, is what I would say. You know, those were some thoughts that I had for many years. Um, that is, until I actually dove into Scripture and read for myself what God promises. So let's take a look at what the Bible teaches about salvation. In John 3.16, we're told that salvation is um, eternal. eternal. Okay, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Then in Romans 6.23, uh, we see that sin equals death, and that because of that, we are given a gift from God, which is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lastly, we can see in another more popular Bible verse, uh, Ephesians 2, 8-9, it tells us that this gift God gives us, it cannot be earned. You know, this is a gift by faith and by faith alone, not by our own works. We simply cannot do enough to ever deserve eternal salvation. Uh, we are blessed by God as receiving it as a gift you know, as long as you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, died for your sins, rose again on the third day, and sent the Holy Spirit to be received by anyone who asks Him into their heart, um, you know, that is it. Ephesians 2, 8-9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. When we question our salvation, we might say to ourselves, when I die and I face the Lord on Judgment Day, you know, I sure hope that I did enough or I made up enough for my sins to make it into heaven. And, you know, that's, that's just kind of a slap in the face to our Heavenly Father. You either believe that Jesus' death on the cross was enough to cover all of your sins, or it wasn't. You know, Jesus was sent here to be the one sacrifice forever for all sin. What we are saying when we say this is, you know, we believe that Jesus' death was only good for so much, that his blood was only capable of covering our sins so many times. So now I have to do some kind of works to make up for the rest. You know, in that statement, it's just ridiculous. I believe that we're all guilty at some time of trying to do some works in our life to make up for sin or to please God. Um, You know, this can range anywhere from going to church more to tithing a little extra, uh, going out and helping somebody, or even feeling bad enough about the sin for long enough now let's take a look at what i thought and still think for certain reasons is one of the scariest verses in scripture in matthew seven twenty-one through 23 it says not everyone who says to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven many will say to me on that day lord lord did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evil doers. Okay, I used to interpret this verse as, what if I was someone who lost my salvation? And then, that day came and Jesus said to me, I never knew you. As in, sure you thought you loved me, and you thought you were saved, but at one point, you just sinned too much and kept going back to that habitual sin, so I parted myself from you. Well, let me tell you the good news that the Bible is inerrant, meaning that there's nothing false written in Scripture. So, with that being said, let's take a look at what Galatians 4 6 through 9 says. Um, this is Paul. He is telling the Galatians that salvation comes by faith in Jesus, not by obeying the law. And says, Because we are his sons, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not God's. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God. So this, that, that verse continues to go on, but I'm going to pause it there. Because what the scripture is telling us is when we become saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, we become known to God. So Matthew seven twenty-one through 23, it cannot be speaking of Christians who might have lost their salvation because he says, I never knew you not I once knew you or I knew you for a little while, okay? Jesus is clearly speaking to those who were never really saved from the beginning. It'd be someone who follows a gospel other than scripture teaches or a God that's just not of the Bible. We need to quit questioning our salvation and just trust the promises of our Heavenly Father. An analogy came to me while I was struggling with the idea that you know, maybe I'm no longer saved, or, you know, I hope God doesn't send me to hell. Uh, So it goes something like this. I'm standing in the pool with my arms outreached, promising that if my son jumps, I'll catch him. And he thinks to himself, even if you do catch me, how can I trust that you won't let go of me and let me drown? Okay, so, you know, what I think to myself is, You know, quit questioning your father's promises and jump. You know, take the leap into his arms and trust that you are saved. Have confidence that when you do make it to your loving father, he won't turn from you and allow you to sink to your eternal doom. You know, basically the thought of, oh, he's going to send me to hell. You know, think of how much better it would be if my son would just trust me and jump. You know, he could get out and jump into my arms with endless fun but rather he second guesses and just won't have the same relationship with me moving forward until he chooses to believe in my promise and take the leap. Okay, some people don't know that there's three parts to your body. You have your body, your soul, and your spirit. Uh, When we're born, our spirit is born dead, okay, which is why we have to be born again. Someone had pointed out something interesting, uh, which is since we're born with a dead spirit, uh, that's one out of the three, so that would make us born two-thirds of a man. And two-thirds equals .666. Um, Revelations tells us that 666 is the number of the beast, but it also tells us that is the number of man. Now, you'll find some scriptures that says it's the number of a man, but I did a study... Uh, not a little while ago that kind of says, uh, the word a, you know, like a man, um, was not kind of used back then. So the real, uh, verse is actually saying that is the number of man, not the number of a man. Um, I do believe there will be an antichrist. Um, I'm not saying that the antichrist will be an individual. Um, but right now it just says that that is the number of man. So, Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, when you are not saved, your body sins against your soul. Okay, and because of this, your soul is required to go to hell, uh, since it's not clean to be in the presence of the Lord. However, when you become saved, your soul and your spirit become sealed uh, to the day of redemption. So if we look at Philippians 1.6, being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We also have uh, John fourteen sixteen through 17 And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I believe that when you're truly saved, you'll never want to go back to a life filled with sin, and you'll do all you can to try to rid it of your life. I do believe that people might turn away from Christ for a season, but you know eventually they'll find their way back to Him. You know people have ups and downs in life. You know that is a that's a normal thing. Uh, and and why do I feel this? Well. Again, we can look at scripture, John 10, 28 through 30, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who was given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. You know, and what Jesus is saying here is basically, you know, I have an undefeated record for not losing a single believer. If you're truly saved, then nothing and no one can pluck you out of the Father's hand. He will win every single time. Paul says in Romans 5, 20-21, The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is telling us that God is so loving and so merciful that our sin can never be more than his grace. You know, you've heard the verse, our sin is great, but his love is greater. Uh, Paul knew that our wicked hearts would try to turn this into a a license to sin and and we can do whatever we want then. Um, But he clears that up in Romans six one. says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin, so how can we live in it any longer? So basically, Paul is telling us that, you know, this doesn't mean to go out and live sinful lives however you want. He's telling us that if we're truly saved and have died to sin, then how could we ever want to live in that kind of lifestyle? You see, there are differences in the lives Of those who are saved and those who are not Um, the Bible talks about the fruit we produce as evidence of this you know the Holy Spirit will be moving in your life you'll sense him leading you in the decisions you make convicting you of your sin comforting you in times of difficulty causing remorse for your sin against God Um, you know a non-believer will still produce guilt from their conscience Um, but they won't have guilt or remorse for their sin against God, okay? Uh, The Holy Spirit produces fruit in your life like love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. Um, These are just kind of things that the Christian will experience different than a non-Christian. A true believer in Christ will tend to wrestle in their hearts to please God. You know, they're going to desire to know Him more to serve Him, and to just build a relationship with Him. Um, I'm not saying that if you don't have a passion for these things that you're not saved, but I think that is a good indicator to reevaluate where you are with your relationship with the Lord and what kind of sacrifice you make in your life to know and experience Him. Uh, I just finished reading a book called Relational Christianity by, I believe, Steve Meeks. Um, and he says something interesting that the Bible is like a set of blueprints, okay, to build our home where God can dwell in us, okay? And if all we ever do is just look at the blueprints, then there's never really going to be a home for God to dwell in, okay? It doesn't help that you just know the Bible or you just have knowledge of it and read it and you know about God. You know, we need to experience him. We need to, of course, know about him and his character and learn what we can, but it's not good enough to stop there. We need to learn how to actually experience uh, him. Okay. Um, Yeah, so the final topic that I reviewed that helped with my understanding of once saved, always saved, is the doctrine of justification. Um, And a, a fun way to remember that is saying, just as if I'd never sinned. Um, there are many different beliefs with other religions about how God forgives, but this is what Christians believe, that God forgives, he forgets, and then he gives favor, okay? Romans five sixteen, 16, uh, as a reference. So, an example is a troubled teen breaks the law and ends up going to court. When he's presented in front of the judge, he says, judge, I'm sorry for what I've done. And the judge slams his gavel down and says, Son, I'm dismissing this case, as well as having all evidence destroyed as if it never happened. And on top of that, I'm adopting you into my family so that you are no longer a fatherless criminal. Okay, When you become the son of God, he now deals with you and your sin differently. Think about this. If someone came into my home and insulted me, Uh, I'd kick him out of my home. I'd want nothing to do with him, right? But if my son had insulted me, I'm going to have to just deal with him, you know, differently. Uh, I wouldn't kick him out. I'm not going to disown him. Okay. Um, And to wrap up, there are many core doctrines that Christians believe. But I just want to go through a list of 12 uh, that I came up with um, that Basically, we believe to be non-negotiable. This is the gospel. This is what the Bible tells us to be true. And these are in no order of importance. So number one, Jesus died on the cross and rose again in his physical body on the third day. Uh, Number two, Jesus' blood covers all sins. We just talked about this. There's no amount of works that we can do to make up for our sin, and and Jesus was the ultimate and final sacrifice to cover all sin, past, present, and future, okay? The Bible is inerrant, is number three, meaning it's fully truth, and it has final authority. Number four is Jesus lived a sinless life, okay? Five is a sinful Virgin Mary birthed Jesus Christ. Uh, You'll have some people and some religions that believe that Mary actually uh, was sinless, Um, but that is not true. Mary was a normal woman who sinned, uh, but was chosen by God uh, to have a virgin birth of Jesus Christ. And uh, I can't remember exactly where in the Bible, so don't quote me on this, but there was a time where a woman shouts out to Jesus, you know, blessed is the mother who birthed you and he kind of cut her off and said, no, uh, blessed is those who obey my father's word. Um, basically. And so right there, he could have put her up on this pedestal to say how, um, you know, equal she was to God or how, um, you know, spectacular or sinless she was, but no, he cut her down and he said, no, um, you know, don't, don't try to put her up here. Um, you know, uh, follow what God has to say. So, Um, that was just kind of an interesting scripture, uh, for that sake. Uh, number six, Jesus went to heaven and sent down the Holy Spirit to dwell in us forever. Number seven, Jesus was a hundred percent man and a hundred percent God. Okay. Uh, number eight, the Bible is the inspired word of God, meaning it was not written by men's own thoughts. Number nine, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And, of course, that is a big struggle for a lot of people. A lot of people want to believe that everyone's just kind of seeing their own side, um, you know, of God. He's so big that everyone sees him in a different way um, and that they'll find their way there or they'll work their way there. Uh, But Scripture's very clear that there's only one way uh, to heaven, and that is through the Son, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus was praying and kneeling in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was begging his father that if there's any other way, if there's any way that they can get in, you know, is it, can they work their way in? Can they earn their way in? Can they pay their way in? Um, you know, let it be. And of course, those weren't the words he was using, but that's what he's getting at. Um, and, uh, and we see that there was no other way. Yeah, he had to die on the cross. Um, So moving on, number 10, grace and salvation is a gift, okay? It cannot be earned or bought. Our salvation is through faith alone and not of our own works. Number 11 is the Trinity. This means that God is God, Jesus is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, okay? They are three in one. I know it can be a little confusing, but Scripture does talk about them individually and that they are all God, but they are not each other, they're three in one, um, and also the Holy Spirit uh, is a hymn, it is its own thing, it's its own individual. It's not just these good vibes, um, you know, that come into your life. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a hymn, uh, it is God. Last 12 uh, that there is a literal hell, and Bible talks about that there is a literal hell, and I know that's very hard. To wrap your mind around, to think about how could anybody be thrown into the fire, um, you know, the lake of fire for eternity. Um, but, you know, God gives everybody the opportunity to choose. It's not how can someone be sent to hell. You know, you got to see it that anyone can go to heaven. Um, you know, and of course, you got to follow what I just discussed in the gospel. Um, but, You know, it's not that God is sending people to hell. That is a choice that they're making. Um, And, you know, you also think about the punishment and the severity of it. uh, And really, a good analogy was if somebody keyed a car in a junkyard, um, you know, really no one's going to say anything because it's just junk. It's worthless and uh, it's already trash, right? That's kind of like us sinning against an individual that's not going to determine whether we go to heaven or hell. It's a sin we commit against God. So that's equivalent to someone taking their car keys, going onto a showroom floor, and carving a, a bunch of you know, letters or X's into a, an expensive Lamborghini. Okay, It's who you're committing your crime against. And we are sinning against our Creator, you know, our all-loving Father, um, who basically is perfect. And our sin is against somebody who is perfect, and that's why it's so severe. Um, so, yeah, this research, it's been really eye-opening for me. I struggled with the question um, of my own salvation for many years, and really it just turned out that it was in, within Scripture the whole time. Uh, I hope that this can be helpful to you as well with your own concerns about salvation uh, and the promises that come from the Word of God. Um You know, my suggestion is, if you haven't already, you know, ask Jesus into your heart and into your life, accept him as your Lord and Savior, repent and turn from your sins, ask him for forgiveness, and believe what he says is true. Um, We will all continue to struggle with sin daily, but just repent, ask for forgiveness, dive into scripture, pray, and develop a relationship with the Lord. So, you know, that basically wraps it up for me on my first podcast. Um, I think next I'm going to dive into tithing. Uh, a lot of people have questions like, what does scripture say about tithing? Do I really have to tithe 10%? Um, what happens if I can't tithe enough? Am I going to be more blessed or less blessed? Um, I think that'll be a good one. Uh, so subscribe to me or or. Click on whatever button it is to listen to my next one. I don't know how it works. I'm still learning this all, but thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.